Brace yourself, Robin. You're about to listen to the Masters of the Obvious. This dynamic duo will give you the sudden and strangest feeling that you are about to be utterly and madly carried away. But beware, they are criminals, they are filthy outlaws, and indeed are not masters in the least. I have rarely met two girls with such potent arguments, and yet are inept fools. But if you like interviews, zany antics, and bad puns, then stay tuned. Same bat time, same bat channel. Hello and welcome to the first episode of season two. What? Two of Masters of the Obvious. I'm Kirsten Bozio. And I'm Cynthia Rose. It's our season two premiere. How many times do we have to act shocked that it's a season two premiere? So many times because we've done so many takes. We, this is very true, but we're here, we're queer. Well, I am, and we're here to stay. We're coming to you from a trailer park in Palm Springs, and we are just as shocked as you to have actress Rose McIver on this episode. How the heck did we manage that? I know people. Okay, I'll give it to you. We talk about staying social during a pandemic, Comic-Con fans, and playing multiple roles with huge fandoms. And Kirsten and I discuss nerd news and WandaVision. But first we'd like to remind you to go to mastersoftheobvious.com. We have merch for sale. And if you'd like to support this pod and take advantage of free shipping in the U.S., well, we really appreciate you. And hey, if you died, I'd reanimate your corpse and enslave a whole town for the sake of our sitcom utopia. You had me at necromancy. And you can check out our shop and show your support at mastersoftheobvious.com. Cynthia, can I say how good it feels to be sitting across from you in person? I am so happy to hear you say that because there's a part of me that thought, we're never going to get there. She might not like this. Uh, Well, (laughs) it was a a nice reminder of how beautiful you are. Zoom does not do you justice. I have that filter turned up to 100. (laughs) (laughs) The cat filter? (laughs) No, the glamour filter. I assure you, ma'am, I am not a cat. <laughs> I'll take your word for it, but it does sound like something a cat would say. Um, but yeah, I'll be sappy for a moment. You are my best friend. It was hard having you away. And during the quarantine, we did lean on each other so hard. We started a podcast. Oh, I love just, that for us. I mean, just to really lean in, a little escapism, a little bit of girlfriend action. And and it was it was great and it was fulfilling and and there was nothing better than to see the face of my best friend in a person and not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this is this is a treat. This is great, and I love that we're starting season two off with a bang in person. We didn't bang. No for clarification. Didn't. No, no, no. Sorry. M- much to my distress. Sorry. And grief. Chagrin. I, I'm chagrin. There's the word. <laughs> Um, but we're going to talk on grief later in the podcast with WandaVision, right? Right. 
Um, but really, it, and, and we feel really privileged to be able to take these three months off, get our shit together. Three months. Three months. We were off for three months and so much happened. I moved. You moved all the way back into my life and into my heart. Well, you never left my heart. <laughs> um, but it is just a different energy. Yeah. Doing this. It's good. I'm back. I'm vaccinated. I'm vaxxed to the future. I love it. And I am being held together by a handful of steroids every day. And bubblegum. And bubblegum. Yeah, it looks like a, a kindergarten craft project. Oh, just some popsicle sticks and bubblegum. <laughs> and a few steroids stuck in there. And a couple of those too. But um, yeah, I mean, we should just dive into news, right? Please. Please, let's stop this chit-chat. Please. Please. Don't um, make me pretend you're my friend anymore. Well, you're going to regret this because the first item on our agenda is our buddy, Gina Carano. Oh, I love it when we call her our buddy. because, you know. People take it seriously. Wires do get crossed, but uh, obviously she is not our buddy. And I think if we mention her enough times, she'll show up like Beetlejuice and she will oh, do what? Uh, misgender you. Misgender me. That's correct. And But she is now officially gone from The Mandalorian. Thank bejeebus. Yeah, love it. Love to see it. Love it when justice is served. I'm sure there is this cover in their asses, but I don't care why they did it, only that they did it. Right. I don't care that they're doing it for their bottom line. Mm-mm. They have made me happy. I've done a lot of things for my bottom. Really? It has made a lot of people happy. Right. right. Yeah. I don't even care how I went about it. <laughs> we'll <laughs> save the for your bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's gone. Thank God. Let's move on over it. Um, we have some good news, though. Yes. You and I love this season. Well, the first season of Russian Doll, right? Russian Doll was amazing. I've seen it three times. So you Russian Doll the Russian Doll. It's it's a little Inception, yeah. I love that. I I love that journey for you. You know why, specifically? (gasps) Why? Because Annie Murphy, Alexis from Schitt's Creek, is joining the second season. I love that journey for Russian Doll. I love that journey for her. We're going to make that joke so many times. But, you know... It's our happiness that matters, mm-hmm. not your ears. Mm-mm. No, it's Mm-mm. about us. We do this for us. But um, on to Saturn news, uh, February 10th, I believe. Charisma, it was a while back. It was yeah. a while back. Charisma Carpenter came out with even more damning information about, should we say, our buddy, no, Joss Whedon? What's so, that? So, you know, sarcasm can be lost sometimes. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've basically done some reconnaissance on Joss Whedon with this podcast. We've created quite the list. Of crimes. Mm, yeah, and it's sad because you and I, I mean, really, you could not find two bigger Buffy fans. You really couldn't. But. I mean, literally, like. We're big. We're huge. We're like 10 feet tall. <laughs> I know you can't tell by just listening to us, but like, we're massive. We are, and Joss Whedon wouldn't like us Mm-mm. because he big fucking, Big women. He called fucking Charisma Carpenter fat while she was pregnant. Oh, Christ. Oh, Charisma Christmaner. Oh, God. Uh, I'll leave the puns at home, but let me tell you, it is it is not fun to hear about someone you want to idolize. Um, like, never meet your idols type things. Like, the more you know about people that you love, the least you like them. And a lot of cases. <laughs> Not okay. every case. Well, at least in our friendship. Right. Yeah. So That's why I was better on Zoom. <laughs> I regret this already. <laughs> yeah. No. So I know you didn't watch Angel, did you? I did not watch it. Yeah. Except for the crossover episodes while well, I was you, rewatching. Those Buffy. are the best. I mean, to be honest, those are the best episodes. But, okay, we already knew about how he had a whole agenda against 
um, James Marsters, who played Spike. He only had planned to have Spike in for the first two seasons, but he was such a fan favorite. They brought him back and he almost resented him for it. There was a whole confrontation. And then I wouldn't be surprised if that's why he did that character dirty in the infamous seeing red episode. That episode's so fucking unfortunate. And it's just a women refrigerators type moment. Or maybe that I don't know, it was just torture porn. Yeah, I I, I don't really know. I want to root for Buffy and Spike, and you can't now. Spuffy. Yeah, Spuffy. it's problematic. Even Stacey, Stacey Abrams, you know, roots yeah. for Spuffy. And who's better than Stacey Abrams? I'm sure she's had to have a lot of talk to talks with herself about neither of us are better than Stacey Abrams. <laughs> well, that's for goddamn sure. That's she's a she what, sure. what, what were they calling her the class protector? Is Stacey Abrams oh, here? Was she <laughs> my heart? I know. Anyway, yeah, uh Angel was rough because I, there's there's times when I liked Angel better than Buffy. And the reason for that is Charisma Carpenter's character. Mm. And it was really interesting to see Cordelia have that kind of depth. Because I remember like going into it, I'm like, why did they pick like Wesley and like Cordelia and all these people, like the least favorite characters, right. even though I, you know, Cordelia is an, icon- an iconic character, right? but not in like that emotional connection sort of way, but you definitely got it an angel. And then they just nerfed her. They nerfed her. And it was specifically because. Are you saying that because nerf hurt her? Why are you saying that? Do you love that? Did you catch that? I did. I good friends over in nerf hurt her. We did the Buffy theme song, but, um, he, and I think it was very personal to her being pregnant. Oh, yeah. Because that whole plot line. Do you remember how people got upset about Dawn? Yes. It was very similar to that. We're like, suddenly. Oh, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there was a character. A younger- Are you seriously talking about not spoiling a show that ended a million years ago? Because, what, okay, first of I all, still what watch- a switch from season one to season two. Season one, we spoiled everything. We did, but I, I also like want to encourage people to watch it, including you. I want you to watch Angel, and I want you to see... I want to watch it in your face in real time, you reacting to what they did to Cordelia, because let me okay. tell you, gross. Let's move on from Joss Whedon. We're over him, but it is, in related news, the reason why we're getting a Snyder Cut, because Joss Whedon botched the first Justice League so bad. Right. Um, but, okay, apparently it's been leaked... Whatever. We haven't heard a lot of... We haven't heard from anybody who's seen the leak. They're recovering they in a seem, corner somewhere. Can someone please check on the name? They have Snyder cut themselves off in the oh, world. We need um, to find those people. But if you're that person, please DM us. Um, and also, give us a good reason. Just give us one reason. <laughs> to watch that shit? Why we should watch it. Um, but aside from that matter, we did get the official trailer not too long ago. Good lord. <laughs> and I, I'm still, it keeps me up at night about a specific scene. Of course, Jared Leto's Joker, which Jared Leto alone is enough to, for me to want to, you know, never, ever open my eyes again or my ears or my heart or ever leave my house again. Um, or just this or just even trust in movies in general. He might show up at any moment. <laughs> I live in I live in fear, but we also apparently live in a society. Oh, he actually quoted the meme. Can you imagine? We live in a society. Was that meta? I can't tell. I don't. You know, it might have been really genius. That is kind of a great way to get people talking. I don't understand the logic here. No one liked. Wait, okay, you're talking it. about logic to a yeah. completely logical person. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? No, we don't like Justice League. Give us the Snyder Cut. We didn't like this. Okay, this was bad. Let me fucking make it worse. Let me go conspiracy theory on you. It's not even a conspiracy theory. I just think it's business. Mm-hmm. All this crap about Joss Whedon is awful, awful. I mean, big stars, Ray Fisher, all those people. I think that this is way of 
uh, this is the way DC is taking to distance themselves. Here, here's a redo. Kind of like we call a Suicide Squad. There's Suicide Squad, which was terrible, and then the Suicide Squad. Yes. But interesting to choose the person who made something that they tried to get to go away, a Suicide Squad, to remake something that they're trying to get to go away, the Justice League. Yeah, no, that that, that rings false for me. I think they're just they're just. I think they're just dumb. <laughs> They're bending to the fucking of oh, the know. nerd, the nerd rage, and that's where where do you draw the line with that, really? Well, in whatever case they're doing it, whatever, why ever they're letting Zack Snyder do this. Zack Snyder went, "Oh, you guys didn't like that. You know what? I'm going to add to make everyone love it. The beloved character, <laughs> a fucking everyone's favorite Joker." Let's get fucking Jared Leto. Oh, oh, hold on, guys. You didn't like that? I'm going to go to this um, island. No, we're not talking about this cult. Please I'm going to go to this talk. island. I'm going to get this cult leader. No. Everyone liked him in Suicide Squad. Everyone seems to like him in general. He got cut out of fucking most of Suicide Squad, but let's fucking put him in Justice League. What a Hail Mary. Um, yeah, but I guess you brought up the cult. It's apparently they call himself the echelon. He does a whole Mars Island. People pay thousands of dollars. And apparently it's supposed to, it was started because people kept saying that he looked like Jesus. And that's the last thing you tell a megalomaniac. I simply could not hate it more. Yeah, there's nothing to like. I feel like every time, and I'm not sure if you told me this or my husband, but every single time Jared Leto's Did name. Did I love you? Yeah. Is, huh, every single time Jared Leto's name is mentioned, I go, Ugh. Oh, it's actually really funny. Sometimes I just want to catch you off guard to see if it changes. Nope. Mm. Consistent. Um, well, let's move on from that. Okay. Um, oh, no. No? No, I think we should get our legal pads out and some fluffy pens and, and take notes. Mm-hmm. And, re- and watch this together. Watch this night oh, together. Okay. Oh, we're going to watch Have it. our therapist on speed dial. Yes. Which, by the way, I think we all share a therapist by now. We just kind of pass one around. It's more economical. The, 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 the supplies of, you know, therapists are very low. It's an ethical use of therapy. <laughs> therapy, right. And, and because, of, you know, at the end of the day, like, we can joke about it as much as we want. But if we have no basis to base our criticism off of, why would you listen to us? Right. We, um, I, I'm more happy to talk about things I love, mm-hmm. but I will absolutely tell you, um, I will sigh, um, grotesquely mm-hmm. when his name is mentioned and I'll do it on air. I mean, it's for like 30 minutes. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of hot when you sigh grotesquely. <laughs> the more, let's watch more Snyder films. Let's watch maybe. more Jared Leto. I would love a super cut of all your grotesque sighs. Just I just sound put like myself to bed. Tina Belcher. Come on. <laughs> But anyway, that's our that's our promise from you that we will subject ourselves to this absolute nonsense. There literally is no I can't think of very few movies that piss me off more than Sucker Punch. So I will subject mm. myself to the creator of Sucker Punch. Sucker Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch. That's very black exploitation of me. Sucker. Um, wow. Please cancel me. But um, uh, just just to give you a, a really thoughtful analysis and takedown of it. And I'm not saying, I'm not going into it saying I'm going to hate it, but let's be honest. I'm going to hate I'm it. I'm going to hate it. Well, let's move on to something that we actually really, really love. Yes. Right. Let's keep it going as, as it were. I want you to tell me uh-huh. about another exciting piece of feminist news. I don't have all the information on this. I'm not, we, we set I people up. Just want to let everyone we're know. We're laymen. Woman, play woman. Play woman. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you want to lay women. So. I do lay women, in <laughs> fact. Thank you for pointing that out. You're welcome. Diversity in this podcast. Aww. So we are getting a live action adaptation. Of what? I'm so excited. I can't even say it. The CW greenlit a live action Powerpuff Girls. Okay. Tell me you didn't think that was out of left field. That was not on my 2021 bingo card. Are there bingo co- cards for 2021? I feel like <laughs> it's just it's just it's just a little it's question piece, marks. <laughs> it's just a piece of uh, tissue paper that I lit on fire <laughs> in my hand. Oh uh, yeah, that's exciting. But what's more exciting is that it would be it was like a Mad Libs of our favorite thing. It's so good. So there's a Powerpuff Girls pilot executive produced by Diablo Cody. <laughs> mm, can we talk about Jennifer's body? No, we'll talk about it another time, but let's say we Shut live it. Anyway, the show is going to star Chloe Bennett from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm, nerd royalty. Mwah, mwah, chef kiss. So good. Who else? She's going to play Blossom. Dove Cameron, who had a story arc in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is going to play Bubbles. It makes you wonder. It feels like it's like a Marvel property or something. They're like mm-hmm. pulling from it you so would. hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And thank God CW. it's not. CW does a lot of. I'll be honest with you. Thank God it's not a Marvel property. God loves Marvel. I, God loves Marvel. Apparently, God loves Marvel. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to speak no for Mephisto. God. I don't. I'm not a prophet, and I'm not speaking for God. But it seems like God does seem to far. Marvel. Oh, Forever. No. I'm breaking John apart. Favreau. <laughs> he does seem to favor the MCU with how well it's done. But I, I will be honest, I'm not very fulfilled by a lot of Marvel properties. They're mm-hmm. fun. They're popcorn fair. The TV shows are. The TV shows we'll get into for sure. Um, but the CW handling it's a mixed bag of emotions for me. I, I feel like you know, I mean, we have Rose McIver on, you know, I Zombie CW, which was amazing. Oh my fucking god! Yeah, so so it, the it's CW possible. did a lot of DC because I Zombie DC, right. Supergirl, mm-hmm. all of that. So I, they do do a good job. There's been some flops, you say, or the things that didn't really there's land. There's things that with didn't me. land, not with me personally. But fucking hey, I will say thank you for bringing that up. Fucking I Zombie was a fucking just a home run. Also, so like, fun. She's so pretty. She's magnificent. She's so pretty. Um, so anyway, sorry. And then uh, Buttercup will be played by singer-songwriter Yana Peralt. But I'm just excited. When is it going to come out? It's hard to say. Pant- the pandemic mm. has shifted a lot of things around, but it's supposed to debut in the fall of 2021 at the earliest, but... You know, could asterisk. be pushed and pushed and pushed. Who Put knows? an asterisk on that. We don't know. Even though things are getting a little bit more normal... For a lot of people, there's a lot I of I mean, factors. we're in person. We're in person. And, and I can't tell you how grateful I am for it without crying. Can we talk about... WandaVision? Okay. First of all, we've already talked about WandaVision. Ad nauseum. Ad nauseum. Well, oh, in person. In person and um, on the phone and on a podcast, actually. Yeah, yeah. We went on um, your friend... Jeff Hopkins' podcast, who I... Which is called... Well, no. I want to tell you about Jeff Hopkins first. We met volunteering at a at a, a organization that helped kids who were sexually trafficked, 
and a rough job, but we just came in to add a little levity and do crafts and things like that. And it was a really meaningful thing. And it, you know, things happen at the organization that I'm not going to talk about, but it's so cool that him and I became friends because he is a freaking riot. He did our intro. He is an Adam West Batman impersonator. He's been on Conan. I think he's worked with Kevin Smith. We don't we don't mess around with these small potatoes. We are all about the big potatoes. Being a potatoes, Mr. Potato. No. 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 Okay, fine. But we went on his podcast called Mount Rushmore and his and his friends. So lovely. Such a fun show. We had such a great time. Please and invite us on your podcasts. Please. Yeah, you're out there. You have a podcast. We don't care. We, don't we care do we care. About. We do. No, We're no, I discerning. No, we don't care. What you do, we will talk. Oh, we'll talk about anything. You give us a platform, we're on it. We'll make it work. Yeah, absolutely. So please do check them out. Um, you also will see me showing my whole ass. Mm. With, I really, really went hard with my conspiracy theories and my th- fan theories yeah, about the show. That's my favorite part of WandaVision is the fan theories. It's, you know, it's a rough time. You know, I, I think that it's really hard to get inside your it's really hard to avoid getting inside your head when things are so awful so we had things like the mandalorian when that ended now we have wandavision we can go back to the crazy you know red string drawing boards and wandavision really trolled us hard they did it intentionally for oh sure. yeah because, oh yeah and also like a lot of these properties draw from so many different sources like i get was like three or four sources at least mm-hmm. there's like house of m and there's like Visions run and Vision and Scarlet Witch. So there's just a lot of material and then a lot of things that they injected that had nothing. And then also the MCU tends to oversimplify because comic books tend to really get heady. Yeah. Yeah. Like a good beer. (laughs) Is that a good metaphor? I don't know. I don't know. A good beer. Um, But yeah. uh, And I, I, yeah, I I definitely think that was intentional. And there was, a lot of miss like red herrings for sure. Yeah. Um, but my favorite was who's Miss Pit? Oh, is that Mephisto? Mephisto? Are you Mephisto? Are you Mephisto? Every time I drop something or like stub my toe, oh Mephisto. <laughs> Are you Nightmare? <laughs> oh, Nightmare was one too, yeah. So let's let's just let's talk about how I felt about it. Okay. But we start. How you felt about it? You know, it was hard for, I mean, people ask me a lot what the show was about, and it's extraordinarily hard to explain, especially in the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. So the best I could say at the time, and even now, especially actually, is the show is an exploration of grief, mm-hmm. which I think really fucking nails it. We explore Wanda's grief specifically. Yeah, which is not really a perspective you hear, um, especially in the big screen. Like, it seemed like we really got nothing from the women in the MCU, really, unless they had their own property. Um, You know, we had Black Widow who died and, and okay, whatever. And I feel like, you know, Vision's death was also something really big and we were just like okay whatever but tony stark dies and we're gonna have a parade and we're gonna put banners everywhere does vision have a goatee <laughs> no uh, you you make a fair point none of those people had a goatee and there's nothing sadder than losing a good was goatee. vision a rich white man another fair point another, i got a lot of points you here. do you really do I bring up a lot of really good but points. it we can't it is not, it, notable to say that it's the first weekly marvel show to premiere on disney plus and it's a woman-centered 
story. Yeah, about grief. About like, grief. Out of fucking left field. Like, the only thing I can, can compare it to is maybe, like, Jessica Jones. Yeah, Jessica Jones was fabulous. Book. I think Jessica Jones had more nuance to it. I feel like, and the only reason why I say that is because I wasn't particularly happy with the way that WandaVision ended. I think it was very abrupt. Mm. But I would, I enjoyed it immensely and I would and, and and for me to compare it to Jessica Jones, which is near to dear to me, means like lets you know how right. much I did. I'm happy they made this show for a multitude of reasons, but a lot because, you know, we see these people with immense power mm-hmm. suffering <sighs> tremendous loss, especially <sighs> Wanda. And you know, in a normal comic book world movie but they would just push it aside and show the character bouncing back and ready to fight in the next film but they really dived into it it really oh my god the way they just went for the jugular too and it was and the way they've been about it they didn't do it linearly they fucking went full twin peaks twilight zone but but isn't that like grief and and mm-hmm. just mental illness it's disorienting There's, it's disorienting and and like you don't know where it's gonna go you know i i mean as a mentally ill person hello obviously it really struck some chords with me and i'm you know a little bit of a spoiler the way that it ended and this is very personal but i have a fear of losing my family there's something more dear to me than my family and having that rug pulled out from under me so that felt very pointed and it also felt very pointed as someone who does struggle with things that I don't always have control over and to see how other people are affected by the mismanagement of my own problems really struck a chord as well. And I, I I think I called you crying. Yeah. Like I needed a full on therapy session out of this, but thankfully we have a community therapist. Thankfully we have a podcast. Thankfully we have a, I mean, what's better than it's better than shouting to the void, shouting to the void. Right. (laughs) Um, so, yeah, it really was beautiful, and I really appreciated that they didn't necessarily demonize it or villainize mental illness, because that would have been really heartbreaking to see, because you do see that a lot, and that's why there's a stigma. I think that maybe there's a argument there. Right. For, on both sides, though. Wanda actually is did villainous things. Yeah. Yeah. But I like that it's not black and white, and I feel like a lot of superhero properties are very black and white. And I guess that could be an argument made for like gritty reboots. Like, let's see the really intro- And then and then we're making a case for Zack Snyder and that's where I'm going to stop you. Oh, cute. But you want to know what was black and white? Well, what was white in particular? White vision. No. And white, black and white at the beginning of the fucking show. Oh, no, that's not what right. I was going to say. What I was going to say was that they finally revealed that there's witches in the MCU. Yes. And they revealed in a very blatant way how powerful Wanda really is. Well, first of all, gave her her name Scarlet Witch. Yeah, and said that she's more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. Okie dokie. Are you ready for... Okie dokie, Smokey. You're setting me up. Okie dokie, artichoking. You're setting me up here because you know for a fact what a sweaty little nerd baby I am from a very young age. And I think early 2000s, going on to nerd forums and and going toe-to-toe with these, you know, toxic fanboys. Like, I think one of the biggest arguments was like, you know... Is Doctor Strange stronger than Scarlet Witch? And I was steadfast in saying, no, Scarlet Witch is absolutely stronger. And now it's canon. Boop, 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 boop. 
I want to like, I want to like personally track down like Nick Beard 1995 <laughs> and, 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 and just rub it in his face. And that's, and that's what frustrated me too. It's like, um, seeing Scarlet Witch, at least how we were introduced to her in the MCU. I was like, really? She's going to do those little twirly red things and that's it. Like she can literally, oh, she's a, a mute, a mute, the strongest mutant in the world. Like she shouldn't even exist. And it became a very apparent in the comic books. And I was like, are we really going to, we're going to nerf this? I love the word nerf, by the way. Yeah. I hope we're getting a sponsorship by then. Right, we better. Um, this amazing character, and I'm so glad to see her powers, like, actualized. Jeez, come on. Come on. Come on, because women are fucking powerful. That's great. I That was a really great part of the show. We also got Sword. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was interesting for sure, especially after what we found out about S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm. We also got Monica Rambeau getting her powers. Mm, yeah. Did you like how no. they did that? Mm-mm. Yeah, it felt very afterthoughty. Um, thoughty. I'm also very thoughty. Mm. T-H-O-T. Um, but it did set us up for Captain Marvel, too. Right. There is no more iconic duo than Monica Rambeau and Carol Danvers. And I love that... There were little things here and there to show that she had problems. Exactly. Yeah. And um, in the comics, for sure. In the show. In the show. I didn't catch she that. Had, she made a face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously her history with her, too. Um, but, I, 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 yeah, I'm... I'm fucking stoked about it. I, I don't, sometimes I don't even care how we get there as long as we get there. Cause right. I've been wanting to see this character for a while. Um, they did do her a little bit of a service, but the actress herself. Oh, oh my God. Amazing. Amazing. Um, what else did you like from it? Uh, the possible introduction of Wiccan and speed. You're really hitting all my triggers tonight because I, you know, I mean, part of the reason why we started the podcast was to talk about representation in the nerd world and queer representation obviously means a lot to me, jokes aside, and they've done a really great job with that, with Wiccan, especially. I mean, Speed is, I think he's um, bisexual, but Wiccan ends up uh, marrying Hulkling, Mm -hmm. and these are all within, like, the Young Avengers, and they're really setting us up for the Young Avengers. We got, like, Kate Bishop and Hawkeye. There's just no way, like, all roads lead to Young Avengers. Right. And why wouldn't they? And why wouldn't they? Because it's great. Especially when you have such terrible representation out there. Like, I I almost feel like comic books are like a dry run. Like, what works? What what do people respond to? Mm. And then they, they take from that and then bring it to the big screen. Right. So, all in all, we got a nuanced, layered, beautifully written show. Absolutely. And it pays tribute to all the eras of television. So, I mean... It took me a minute to come around to it, but fuck, I loved it. As pop culture nerds, right? Mm-hmm. You caught all the references. There, it was like a meta reference where they were, they did a full house bit, and she's this you know sister of the Olsons, mm-hmm. and it was it really did make my little pop culture nerd sing. And we would be remiss if we didn't fucking say that Catherine Hahn is a fucking treat. Ooh, has there been a better casting? I don't know. She's a fucking And, and to Agatha all the way, it immediately became iconic. It hit, like, what, it, like, topped the iTunes charts. It did. 
Um, but it really it makes me happy because I feel like people were sleeping on Catherine Hahn. And I really hope people are going back and watching her because I have not seen her fail. She's always been on X Kings mode. She's a fucking home run. She is. She invented you the like X that. Thing. I, I did a fucking, a fucking sports home reference. Run. Gross. I guess we're both we're both trying to do sports references. <laughs> <laughs> Are we trying to like open up our demographic? I don't understand. She, she's a. She, and I made a beer reference. We're, we're basically bros now. We're trying. Step the fuck up, Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. I. Is there anything you didn't like? Um. Yes, but I don't really want to get into that. I would rather talk about the things I like. I, yeah, I don't really want to. I, they're, they're so tiny. I will say the one thing that really got me, the one thing I wanted, I get it. You can give us a lot of, you know, things that go nowhere and and, and troll us and, and, and do stuff that's going to... Mess with us and get, get us riled up. Right. Yeah. But the thing that I really wanted to pay off for was I wanted to know who Jimmy Woo's missing person was. Mm, but was it Ant-Man? Well, he's an ant man. He's so small. He probably has got lost couch cushions. Lost in the grass. <laughs> like, honey, I shrunk the kids. <laughs> Wait, that could be the spinoff. What if they're all interconnected? Oh, God. No. That's, our, that's our new fan theory. <laughs> Might we propose? I will say this, though. I really want Evan Peters being brought into the MCU not to just be a big boner a, joke. A, that is great, though. I, I would love it for it not to be as, a big boner as joke. As a newly, um, a newly identified bro, I do appreciate a boner joke. But, um, you know, it's hard to take my social justice hat off sometimes. I've heard some pretty unsavory things about Evan Peters. Hmm. I haven't heard those things. But either. can we talk about how hot Aaron Taylor-Joy is? My God. Unexpectedly hot. Because we watch Kick-Ass. Yeah, I worked at I worked with the for the press. Yeah, yeah, and you like Kickass, correct? Yeah, movie? It's fun. It's really fun. Um, I like dark takes. You know what was really fun? I think he actually explored that theme even better with Super, which mm-hmm. was a mm-hmm. a James Gunn uh, vehicle. But they made a Kickass reference in the show, right? Yes, so fun, so funny. But I would like for Ralph Boner to actually be Quicksilver from another dimension in the Witness Protection Program. See, because we it's confirmed that Scarlet Witch is going to be in the new Stra- uh, Doctor, Doctor Strange, Strange movie. Yeah. So, like, we're going to go into the multiverse. That would be an excellent way to introduce it. Right. So, do you know that packet that Monica found? Mm-hmm. That looked innocuous? That it was like a Jehovah Witness. That could have been, like, a, <laughs> this is your new identity dossier. So, it was a Jehovah Witness. <laughs> pamphlet <laughs> the watchtower right it was the watchtower um but boy did we watch the hell out of the show and then i think the most like baffling thing was who is senior scratchy because i always thought that was nicholas scratch who was the son of agatha harkness in right the comics yes and you would be wrong and that's where we stop the podcast <laughs> And <laughs> have a fist fight. And we have a fist fight. We'll come back. Um, we're gonna after this, we're com- gonna have a beer after this commercial break. <laughs> um, okay, why am I wrong? So I mean, you probably want to know how I know you're wrong. Okay, that's. I mean, obviously, I would right. like to know how you know more than me. <laughs> so plot twist: it was answered during a recent appearance on the Kevin Smith Fat Man Beyond podcast. Sideline: What did we just find out about looking up? The Kevin Smith podcast. Mm-hmm. They also have a Masters of the Obvious uh, sorry. font. Sorry. Masters of the Universe. Universe. 
inspired font. Yes. We did not know this. Not only a font, but like the full, like they have gray skull and we, yeah, we didn't see that before. We promise if you're listening and looking to serve us some papers, no, that's not our name. And we're definitely didn't get our, our, our location in Palm Springs at a trailer park. And we, those definitely aren't all red, red herrings. I don't know if you knew this. We're actually MCU writers. We're really good at planting herrings. Um, but okay. What did, what, what happened on that podcast? All right. So Matt Shackman, who is a WandaVision director, revealed the, the only, the one and only. Well, like the big one. Uh, yeah. The big potato. Oh, the, the big one. The big potato. Are we going to. The big potato. Are we gonna, don't bring up potatoes if you don't want to talk about Mr. Oh, potato. Head. The big potato. Lest I say Mr. Potato. <laughs> wow. That's offensive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Matt Shackman mm. revealed. On Kevin Smith's podcast, mm-hmm. there was actually a scene from the finale all about Senior Scratchy. Okay. Because one of my criticisms about the finale was it was really short. It felt really short. Right. So what did we miss out on? So according to him, the scene featured Billy, Tommy, Monica, Darcy, and Ralph all sneaking into Agatha's basement to steal the Darkhold. Okay. Was that when Agatha... Hat told Wanda that the kids are in the basement. No, that was this. That was the episode four. Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. So the scene was shot. They shot it. Is in the can, but they never did the effects or anything over it. Can they release? <laughs> release the, the finale. Cut. Release <laughs> the Shankman cut. So they. The reason that they didn't release it was because they felt like it was like a departure. Too distracting. Too distracting from the finale's main storyline of Wanda versus Agatha, Vision versus Vision. I still, I have left wanting so much more. And this is not to discourage you from watching this. I still really, really, I enjoyed it so much. I needed therapy after it. Um, and not in this Snyder way. Right. Um, but, but yeah, it would have been nice to see a little more meat in that episode. Yeah. I mean, so what had happened was the, the scene actually played out. Monica, Darcy, Ralph, the the crew, attempt to steal the Darkhold from Agatha's basement because the kids noticed it there earlier mm. when they were in the basement. Mm, there's a connection, yes. Okay. So they go to grab it. Senior Scratchy jumps out in front of it and transforms into a demon and chases the team out, a la Scooby-Doo. Mephisto? No. No, I just, I like to exclaim that whenever I'm excited. Mephisto? Oh, Mephisto, like huzzah. Mephisto. Mephisto. <laughs> that should be a thing at Renaissance fairs, right? Mephisto. So I, I don't really know who it was supposed to be. I think it was supposed to be Agatha's familiar. I don't think mm. it's supposed to be Mephisto. But it could also, why, but he didn't confirm that it wasn't Nicholas Scratch, though, would he? Was Nicholas Scratch a demon? Well, Nicholas Scratch, I said it was the son of Agatha Harkness. I know who and Nicholas Scratch But I'm saying, but did, he, did he say that it wasn't specifically? He didn't specifically say that, no. Mm, so why am I wrong? Riddle me that, Batman. Because he didn't specifically say that either. He just said, uh, demon. Oh, it just wasn't confirmed. He said, uh, demon. So I'm wrong-ish. No, you're wrong. You're I'm, all kinds I'm a, of wrong. I'm adjacent. I'm adjacent. You're I am, adjacent Bateman. I'm adjacent Bateman. I'm adjacent to wrong, which is not wrong. Can you're, we, can you're we, in the, you're in the distinct neighborhood of wrongdom. Well, can I at least be like you have a little one-way bit, ticket to wrong? A little bit outside the the city limits, at least. You are nope, no, nope. I, 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 a little bit outside the area code. Nope. You're gonna give me nothing on this. Mm-mm. Wow. 
Anyway, so it's been a po- good journey with you on this podcast. It was a good season too. Um, and I really had a lot of fun. I except up until this moment. Okay. We're done. Well, the name you can trust, FierceUnicorns.com is a place where you can buy comfortable face masks that are curated, thoughtfully designed, and delicious. If you are a goat, FierceUnicorns.com sells fabulous apocalypse gear like stickers, handmade face masks, and print-on-demand apparel like a shirt that looks like LaCroix, but says LeCunt instead. Well, I'm going to buy that. You know, wholesome rags. Every Friday is Fierce Friday, where the queers... Hey, you can't say that. The queers in charge post a new design or two, and it's been a fun, necessary project for them ever since the pandemic targeted them specifically and took their income and punched it in the butthole. In the butthole. Use code OBVIOUS at checkout to get yourself a slick 15% off and help us squeeze more money per episode out of the male gaze. Pun intended. Pun intended. I am thrilled to have one of my favorite people I've ever worked with on the pod today. You may know her from iZombie, the Christmas Prince films, and the new Hulu show, Woke. Rose McIver, thank you so much for being here. Oh my goodness, thank you so much. I'm thrilled. It's always a highlight when I get to interact with you. It's been some funny new circumstances. We did comic cons, we've worked together, we've just sprung each other in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last time I saw you were in uh, Honolulu Comic Con. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and fun. you guys were there with your awesome little store. Yes. That was so cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. You're not in New Zealand, right, right now? I'm not. I am going to go in March. I'm going to go. You had to book. I booked in December, I think, to get back. You have to get mm-hmm. a quarantine bed. Um, okay. So, yeah, going in March, which will be really nice. I haven't seen the yeah. family in a while. Oh, my gosh. If I was from New Zealand, that is where I would be <laughs> hiding out. Absolutely. I know. They're all like, what, COVID, huh? I know. <laughs> fine. Uh, I'm, like, seeing, like, pictures of, like, raves and stuff going on there and being yeah. like, I don't even want to go to a rave, but now I do. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. I never was a rave person till COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get me around some weird, sweaty people. Why not? Mm-hmm. I'm so starved of human contact. I um, somebody a couple of weeks ago, a neighbor, I just was sitting at my desk inside with the front door open and a dog ran inside out of nowhere. And I was like, oh my goodness, it was a beautiful dog, but I kind of was thrown, you don't expect a strange <laughs> dog to run in from the street. And I heard some people call it back and it was a dog. Um, the neighbor's dog had like run across from some other property. And as I walked out, I saw these two neighbors that were like, you know, a good sort of 50 feet away with masks, but I was so excited just to see people. And I realized I was coming across just so desperate. I was like, hi guys. Like, hi, hi, how are you doing? Like, what are you doing today? And they just, they were like very cool, calm and collected. Like, sorry about what happened. Just, I was like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, do you guys live around here? And I just realized I've just lost it. with me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Humans. (laughs) Yeah. So how have you been? Like, what have you been doing to like keep saying during the various stages of lockdown? I am pretty, I mean, I'm so lucky in that I have a home, I have a garden, I have been able to survive financially over the, you know, very extended work hiatus. So I just feel like there is literally zero I can complain about with this. I mean, I miss friends, I miss people, um, and obviously I miss my family, but I'm quite well suited to being a homebody at the best of times. I'm a real, like, crafter, reader, um, so, yeah, I sew or I knit or uh, jigsaws, gardening. It's been kind of cooking. It's been pretty. I think I'm only really now starting to run out of steam with just being at home. Um, I 
yeah, I can always find something to do around the house, which is very lucky. Yeah. 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 I'm the same way. I mean, but mm-hmm. I'm just now starting to be like, ugh. Yeah. I think I need people. Exactly. And as you say, it's like the first time that a rave has seemed remotely appealing. I'm like, oh, wait, <laughs> there's life outside my little um, right. sewing den. <laughs> I'm sew myself some uh, glow stick warmers and get out there. <laughs> exactly. Get out there to the party where I belong. I always did. <laughs> um, so I've really enjoyed your socially distant social media FaceTime posts. Those are great. <laughs> and the, the one with Taika is just nah, chef's kiss. So so I, I mean, he's I mean. very on brand. <laughs> he is always asleep. He's a famous napper. He's um, <laughs> it was, I was lucky he even woke up to take the call. Really so <laughs> funny. Now, do you know him from New Zealand, or is it like just by way of like New Zealanders finding each other? Like I find people from Hawaii everywhere. All of the above. It's um, we first met when I was nannying a couple of kids in Auckland. I was at university, or maybe just finished high school. I can't, maybe I was even at high school. Anyway, I was nannying some people's kids, um, very dear friends of both of ours, and we didn't know each other at all. And all I knew was I like walked into the kitchen one day thinking it was just me and the kids in the house, and there was this strange man. And I was like, who are you? Like thinking it just completely been bastard. And anyway, we worked out we were both supposed to be there and both allowed to be there. He was like, why are you in the house? Um, and it was, yeah, he was staying with the friends. And anyway, so we met back then, and then we worked together on our dear friend, Madeline Sami, who I'm obsessed with. She's the funniest, smartest, most wonderful comic, and everybody should know about her. Um, but she is she did a show called Super City in New Zealand that Taika directed, and she plays multiple characters. Um, it, like She plays, I think, five characters each season. And I played a character in that with her. So that was when we all first worked together. And then when we moved out to LA, we all kind of moved out to LA. We just, it's sort of the, the Kiwis all out here. Like we're a bit of a unit, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it happens. So, mm-hmm. yep. And then he went off and made Thor and made all these hit movies. And we were like, hey, don't forget us. <laughs> all that. <laughs> right. But he'll still give me the fingers on a phone call. So I guess I'm there. <laughs> You're still in the circle. <laughs> exactly. Scraping through. Well, you have a fun career. You've been a Power Ranger. You've been a zombie who gets to play like inhabit tons of lives and personalities. You've been the most famous fairy of all time <laughs> and royalty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, what, so what's next? What do you what are you up to next? Well, I feel so lucky in that I've been able to work in so much genre and um, kind of fantasy and, you know, from Power Rangers to uh, I did Hercules and Xena as well. And I just feel like at once upon a time, I zombie everything. The, the audiences, Christmas Prince, the audiences have been so supportive and it's got this really, all this work that I've been a part of has got this incredible fandom that I just feel so privileged to be a part of. There's like this network of people that support each other and from all different works of, walks of life. And I just feel like it's the most inclusive, wonderful space that I have found myself getting getting the privilege to be a part of. And so to get to go meet people at comic conventions and um, hear about, you know, all the fan fiction and passions that people have where they've, um, you know, they've got a real personal relationship with the show. People dress up as it, um, as characters I've played. So I just feel like I really won the lotto with um, the world, the, the worlds that I get to be a part of and the people I get to meet. And 
I really mean it when I say that comic conventions, I think, are one of the most special examples of humanity. I think that um, it, it brings out the best in people. It is full of kindness. And I don't, I, I often find there's been very rare that I've experienced any hostile moments or um, competitiveness or nastiness. It just feels to me like a really supportive space and where people feel safe and included. So um, that's been a real privilege. And I am staying in the sort of, slightly supernatural realm with my next project which we're still waiting to find out if it goes to series but I'm very hopeful because it's a, a project called Ghosts where um, I can't seem to get enough of dead people basically um, I am playing a young woman who inherits a um, mansion in upstate New York that it's a very dilapidated old estate that she didn't know about from a relative she didn't know about and um on the back of the first episode, we discover that I am able to see the ghosts who inhabit the building um, that have died there over centuries gone by. So we have Vikings and we have um, just all sorts of characters, uh, sort of prohibition or a jazz singer. Um, it's just like a nice, another great mishmash of people. And it's sort of like an unlikely roommate's situation. I think of it a little like what we do in the shadows um, mm-hmm. tonally and yeah, it's just, it's such good fun and the people involved are awesome and more dressing up, um, <laughs> all sorts of eras and yeah, no, I'm really, really excited. So hopefully that all comes to fruition. We'll, we'll know more soon. Yeah. I can't wait to see that. I'm very excited that hopefully I get to keep making ghosts and, and we get to bring it to you guys. And there is a brilliant show that it's based on also known as ghosts, uh, that is from the UK that is airing that you guys all should definitely check out. It's we are dealing with this work that is made by these really brilliant minds. And um, I'm so honored that they let us, let us reimagine it as our own thing as well. So it's a BBC show called ghosts that everybody should check out. That's fun. I love it when they bring the BBC shows here. It's super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, you know, it's, I, it's so funny because you talk about fan fiction and, and, and fan casting and, uh, your co-star from iZombie, Raul Coley. Mm-hmm. People are talking mm-hmm. about him as Reed Richards in The Fantastic Four. Oh, and wow. what a great casting. I want to see you as Sue yeah. Storm. I want you guys to get back together. Oh. What a great, how great would oh. that be? Like, well, let's get, let's get Taika on the horn. Like, come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> come on, man. Like, let me, let me see if he picks up today. Um, actually, funny, you should say that there is another little project, which I'm not able to speak about yet, but an independent film that Raul and I are both going to be a part of. Oh, that, awesome. um, I'm very excited to work with him again and wind him up. Uh, so yeah, yeah. When, when I'm able to say more about that one, I will, but. I do get to cross paths with Ravi again. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait to see that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I love iZombie. I know a lot of people love iZombie and it's a mix of genres and it's so smart and it's so funny. And the chemistry of the cast just kind of reminds me of kind of almost like Buffy in a little way, because yeah. you guys just have this great chemistry. The thing that doesn't make any sense to me is how is a, an assistant medical examiner such an amazing chef? <laughs> Um, you know what we all painted with all different colors and she got really lucky in being painted with that as well she happens to be a gourmet chef I'm certainly not uh there was a lot of body doubles doing hard hard yards in there (laughs) I'm surprised that there was never a cookbook that came out from that show speaking of great comic conventions a couple of fans that I met have created these cookbooks that were so brilliant like they had exact recipes from the show that were copied and 
just full of imagination and really like professionally bound and everything. I was like, guys, if I was a real hustler, I'd be selling these somehow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, exactly. So if you if you weren't an actor, what would you what would you be doing? Um, I don't know because I've done it for so long now. I was really lucky in that I was able to do it as a child, um, but in the same capacity that people maybe take piano lessons or study ballet or do something else. It was like basically an after-school hobby. And I would occasionally, once or twice a year, get to do a couple of episodes of something in the school holidays. And it was just part of my life for such a long time that it kind of evolved when I finished high school into being something more full-time. But um, it's pretty entrenched in in who I feel like I am at this point. Um, But I, I definitely would love to do some other stuff as well. I mean, life... I love the idea of, you know, people who I look up to so much, like Joni Mitchell, who has a career of music and art. And I think that um, when you're a creative person, it can find itself new homes. I mean, I would love to sew. I would love to do textile um, studies or something like that or teach. I often think about teaching. I had a few teachers growing up that I just adored so much and the impact that they have and, the value of that profession, which obviously is so under um, underappreciated, but I just yeah that that kind of world as well would be yeah. interesting to me. Um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> but I do like that thing. I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah, well, it seems like a great gig, <laughs> especially with mm-hmm. all the with what you've done with it. It's been so it's so fun to watch. Well, you talk about music. Do you have a musical background? Because you uh, the movie Daffodils, you you sing in it. Yeah. You sing well in it. Oh, that's nice of you. No, I was really, I was so excited to be part of the film Daffodils that we shot in New Zealand, which was a musical. I had never done a movie musical before, and it turns out the tech component is outrageous. Um, it's filming live on set. You film the music, then you film the dialogue, and then you record in studio as well. And they kind of interweave between all three versions of that. So really the tech nightmare was not for me, but for David Stubbs, <laughs> our director and, and the incredible posting, but it's based on a show written by Ro Bright, um, an incredible artist in New Zealand, creator, writer who strung together all of these New Zealand classic songs that I remembered growing up and loved singing along to as a kid. And then they have, you know, built this beautiful love story around the whole thing based on their parents. Um, so it was a, just a total privilege to be part of. I got to work with some amazing Kiwis who I've looked up to for a long time or known for a long time. And, um, and yeah, the musical genre is wonderful to be part of. Definitely, definitely, as I said, more technical than I expected. Right. Yeah. And you, you did such a beautiful job. You sounded amazing. That movie was, it was, it was beautiful. And I didn't realize oh. that it was, uh, they were songs from New Zealand. Yeah, they were all written um, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s in New Zealand. And uh, so we got the support of a lot of the musicians, obviously, behind yeah. them that were people I'd looked up to. And it was very cool. Very, I was, I found out about that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, but yeah, I do sing, I guess. I also say I, um, I sing a bit, but oh, it's, I don't know. It's, I've never been a songwriter. Um, my boyfriend is a really great songwriter and singer and I know how much work goes into it. So <laughs> at the moment I feel like I'm already spreading myself a little thin with some of my passions and hobbies. I, I don't really need to open that door too wide right this second. <laughs> <laughs> um, some silly questions. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's the weirdest thing a fan has done for you? And just know if it's not weird enough that I will top it. So. 
Oh, oh, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm excited. <laughs> you guys a challenge. Uh, the weirdest thing a fan has done for me. Um, I mean, I feel like creating that cookbook was pretty impressive. Um, yeah. There have been some, Oh, I mean, there's a, a girl called Stephanie who runs Rose McKay Source that does, she knows more about my family history than I do. She's so <laughs> good. Like she's like a genealogist and um, really, really well researched and kind of keeps finding these photos that I didn't even know existed from me on set when I was a kid and is always so supportive and lovely. And um, yeah, I feel like in a Rose McKay, the trivia quiz, she would win over me. I don't, I don't know as much about myself as she does. <laughs> She's awesome. She's the best. I'm very grateful. That's awesome. We've had a few guests on that have had this, have said almost the same thing about the person that, that has their site, their fan site. Uh-huh. I mean, these, I mean uh-huh. it's so well-researched. These people are amazing. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, gosh, I wish I had those research skills. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, what's the most useless talent that you have? Uh, let me see how well my mic records this, but... <laughs> Hang on. This is always the hard bit. That was a hand flute for those uh, listening. It gets pulled out about once a year. Very underwhelming. Clearly my musical ability does not quite transfer to the hand flute, but... (laughs) That's probably my most useless. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good party trick. <laughs> um, what's your weirdest fear? Oh, <laughs> I, I guess it's a fear. I don't like, and I have spoken about this before, humans making animal noises. I know that this is, <laughs> you ask for weird. <laughs> like when people are trying to do a bitchy sound and they make a cat's, I don't know, I cannot even do it. But, you know, they make like the cat's hiss or whatever. Mm-hmm. That is a big one for me. Um, yeah. Just, just, I find it is so humiliating for the person who does it. And I take on the awkwardness and I'm scared of that situation. Right. So I guess that would be my most obscure fear. That's really funny. I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what's your go-to order at a fast food restaurant? Uh, I, oof, I love a grilled cheese. I really love a grilled cheese. So anywhere that has those in and out grilled cheese is, uh, um, pretty good for me. Definitely health wise. Um, and what else do I love? Oh, I love such a sweet tooth. So um, I tend to be doing a little ice cream chaser. That would be mm-hmm. my go-to dessert. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not a huge fast food person. I'm more like rubbishy snacks at home. Like lots of them. Um, like the thing I've been getting into is the peanut butter pretzels. You know those those kinds of snacks. That's my like, crack. Like pretzels with peanut butter on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, My husband just started buying the uh, Reese's peanut butter cups that have the pretzels in them. Oh, I haven't even heard of these. Yeah. I don't know how that sounds very on brand for me. (laughs) He he got like a whole pack of them. I don't even know where he got them. Probably at like some target or something. Incredible. (laughs) That's, that's definitely his jam. And my son and him were like going to town. Oh yeah. No, please pass on my respect. That is really (laughs) up my alley. Um, and what's your favorite word? Um, um, it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> what else? Oh, a in New Zealand we say a after everything, and it's sort of disappearing because I've been living in the states for so long. But we throw it on the end, not the Canadian eh. We do like you'd write it a y e, 
And it's just kind of a, a little tack on to the end of any sentence. So it'd be, that was a pretty good day, eh? Or, um, I had too much dinner already, eh? Like that. Kind of, it's just, you throw it on the end. Mm-hmm. It chills everything out a bit. Um, yeah, I like A. Yeah, it's good. And I miss it. <laughs> In Hawaii, we say yeah at the end of everything. Oh, I didn't know I did right. it until I had moved to New York and everyone was like, why are you ending all your sentences with a question? Like, yeah? Yeah, right. Yeah. See, <laughs> yeah. listen there. We do it um, yeah, up to speak. In New Zealand, there's a lot of that too. Every, every sentence sounds like a question mm-hmm. where it doesn't matter if we're asking something or not. Um, yes. That's a big... A big um, speech pattern that gives me away in my accent sometimes. (laughs) Um, So you do a fantastic American accent. Do you do others? Oh, thank you. I try to do like kind of a standard American fairly okay, but I haven't really mastered any others. I can do an okay British accent. My parents are South African, but any of my South African relatives would just die of laughter at my attempts. (laughs) Um, I think I'm pretty good. They definitely don't. Uh, what else? Australian is Australian actually took a while to get my boyfriend's Australian. And because the differences are so subtle, you don't notice or you don't think to include them. Sometimes it's like a different part of your brain hasn't been activated. Mm. The, the accent part isn't quite on because you, you feel so familiar with it. So that one I can do now, but took me a minute, took me longer than I expected. Oh, have you been like, I know you say you don't watch a lot of TV, but have you been binging anything at all? Like, have you? Yeah, I have been, I'm a sucker for Anthony Bourdain. Mm. Very tragic loss. Um, I think he was just such a wonderful culture critic. And um, I just love his shows. I I almost never like the food he's eating or what he chooses (laughs) on a menu, but I can watch those episodes. Or Gordon Ramsay, old Gordon Ramsay, like um, Kitchen Nightmares. I could watch that on repeat for a long time. I guess I do have a bit of a thing for the, the foodie channel stuff. Maybe it's yeah. to do with iZombie. Maybe it was on the back of that. <laughs> it felt like I should have got a spinoff show. <laughs> did, did Anthony Bourdain do any shows in New Zealand? No, he did. Oh, do you know what? I haven't seen if he did. He did a news, uh, an Australian one that I've seen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a good question. I'll have to dig up. And I may have been too young when he, filmed it and not know about it oh you've given me something to look up tonight Ooh. this is exciting he did a really cool one in hawaii and he went to a, such he? a remote island he went to molokai and that's a very small island in, in maui county and amazing. not a lot of people go there and he did such a cool episode there it was really great amazing see that's what i love i feel like he draws um kind of interest and enthusiasm for pockets of the world that we just really don't know very much about and he doesn't ever make the obvious choices or um, kind of he likes to be shown around by locals. It just, yeah. I find it the best kind of travel show, most um, intrepid, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great show. I gotta, nah, now I got to start watching that again. <laughs> I've been talked and my neighbor is trying to talk me into watching Bridgerton, which I have not yet watched, but um, I think that sounds like a journey. <laughs> it is definitely a journey. I, I binged that when I was packing, it was, uh-huh. um, um, what was I yeah? Mean, Give me the breakdown. It's like a it's like a horny housewife show, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's what we're dealing with. <laughs> that's that's basically what it is. But it's it's watchable. I mean, the guys the guys very attractive. Oh, okay, right. Well, you know, if that if that'll hold us to the screen, well, <laughs> it's not. It's give not, it a go. He's not. He's easy on the eyes, so it makes it a lot easier. Okay, <laughs> okay good to know. <laughs> 
but yeah, now I'm just binging everything that's on Disney plus my son wants to watch all star Wars stuff. And, um, and we, uh, we're watching WandaVision now, which is pretty oh, great. Cool. What yeah. is that like? Cause I mean, I think she's so talented. Oh I mean, my gosh. Them, but, yeah. yeah. How is yeah. it? Is it great? It's great. It's, it's really, sl- it's a slow burn because it's sort mm-hmm. of like a, um, it really does take that. It, it so it does different eras of TV. So it starts mm-hmm. off in like, um, you know, Dick Van Dyke and then Bewitched and then mm-hmm. sort of like moves on through. And right now I just watched the eighties episode, which is sort of like a full house thing, which is funny for Elizabeth Olsen <laughs> to be doing. Oh, you know? yeah. That so, is funny. Um, oh, cool. And the episodes are pretty short one, because yeah. it's like, um, you know, like a sitcom style, which you're not used to, which I'm not used to, especially after watching something like the Mandalorian, which has like an hour long, you know, yeah, shows. Right. So it's, yeah, it yeah. feels really short, but, um, and as it progresses, it just gets weirder and weirder. And some people are like likening it to like, um, you know, like a David Lynch thing, but to me, oh, okay. it almost feels more like a, uh, like a twilight zone kind of a thing. Oh, oh, you've got me intrigued. I'll have to watch that. It's yeah. fun. It's fun. I am. Um, I have so many gaps in my viewing history. Everybody, all my friends with such hardcore film buffs laugh at me because I'm like, uh, just for the first time this week, watched Raising Arizona, um, mm-hmm. Coen Brothers, and lo- speaking of weird, love that. Love, love, loved it. And everybody's like, of course you loved it, but why has it taken you till you're 32 to see that movie? You work in this industry. And it's true, I'm shocking, but I'm really excited. This is something I'm passionate about. Um, there is a place opening up in Northeast LA, which is where I live. Um, it's, do you know about Vidiots? Did you ever hear of Vidiots? No. Okay. So these two women started a company called Vidiots that had been around for about like 30 years or something. I think a really awesome video store that was out in Santa Monica. And, um, they're very, very passionate about the community that comes with, with watching things. And that now the more, you know, obviously now when we look at, stuff we're often streaming it at home alone besides great podcasts like yours it's it's less easy to kind of plug into a a world where you're all talking about which movies you saw and why and how if you like them and actually having those conversations in person not just over um you know 25 characters or something (laughs) and um so this so videos is reopening in as a a dvd rental store and they have like fifty thousand dvds um, in the library, all sorts, like really niche stuff that you can't get online the same way. Um, oh, nice. And all of the classics as well. And they're opening in Eagle Rock and it's also going to be affixed to a giant theater that was called the Eagle Theater. Um, and it, the Eagle Theater opened in 1929, I think, and ran for, you know, till the 80s as a really popular local theater. So I was excited because apparently um, locals are really pumped because it's a theater they knew and loved and they're going to have a great cinema back that will screen all sorts of classics and um, be really community focused. Like uh, they're going to have all of the food supplied for the, but there's a bar and, um, you know, bistro there that will all be provided by community that live locally. And it's a female run business and, it's just the most exciting, cool, community-based um, movie and television buff center. And I hope to learn a lot more about all <laughs> sorts of films and shows that I should have been watching by, by being able to talk to people. It's how I connect best and, yeah. um, you know, rather than getting a list of something, but just actually having conversations and, oh, you like this filmmaker, then why don't you look at this? Rather than having to research it online and, yeah. and be able to do it in conversation instead. Yeah. When I was in my uh, early twenties, I lived in Portland, Oregon and there had this, um, well, I can't remember the name of the 
the shop. It was a rental place. It's called Mm -hmm. movie madness or something. doesn't matter, but they had like, Mm -hmm. uh, memorabilia from movies like mm-hmm. uh some b movie stuff some a-list movie stuff but like it was just they were really it was like an immersive experience and everyone who worked there like really knew their shit and like would always recommend yeah. like the best stuff and that's i mean it's great we have the internet and that we don't yeah. you know that people have access to things but it's so fun to talk to people who know you know yeah and, and to kind of build a community around it again and, and to have a social element to it all where it doesn't have to be just you in your living room watching something it's like you can commune with other people and talk about what you watched and why you liked it and how it made you think about the world um so i i feel like that's a really and also with the internet it's like stepping into an encyclopedia like you, where do you start yeah and instead of you know having a word of mouth recommendation that's curated by somebody who you respect and whose taste you like seems like a really good way of doing it so very passionate about it videos everybody should check it out videos fun mm-hmm. and so they're gonna they're gonna it's they're gonna rent dvds and they're also gonna do screenings mm-hmm. that's so fun. and i'll have like a small a, a big beautiful theater and then a small cinema in there as well uh that will screen kind of things that people maybe don't have the opportunity normally to put on a grand scale. And at the moment on the back of, you know, COVID and the closing down of so many businesses like this, I think there really, you know, needs to be um, some love poured into a place that is keeping this alive and, and gives first filmmakers a chance and, you know, will support um, the arts in a way that, that I don't think big scale things can do the same way. Yeah, that's great. I feel like it's kind of strange that um, it's it's Mm -hmm. missing in LA. You think LA would, would have mm. multiple things like that. I want to ask you who would yeah. be your dream guests on this podcast? Like who will start, Ooh. you know, reaching out. I'll tell everyone I know it's like seven degrees of separation, you know? I mean, I'd die if Taika said yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, he need. I need to make sure he starts calling me back. And once he starts <laughs> calling me back, I'll put him onto you, but yeah. Okay. So he's up there. Um, gosh, I don't know. There's a few people three. I've worked with that I would, love to have on the show. Um, and I probably will. Gosh, I don't know. Why is it off the top of, maybe because we were just talking about David Lynch and I'm like, Ooh, David Lynch. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, he'd be top shelf. Well, you know, you put them into the universe. Let's see. Let's um, make Let's this happen. See. Elizabeth yeah. Olsen. Why not? Oh yeah. <laughs> no, it's so nice to chat to you. Thank I you really so much. It. Oh my God. Of course. It's nice to see you too. It's so good to see you. And I'm in California. And now that I know you're in Palm Springs, yeah, you might be getting some calls. Give me some calls. calls. (laughs) A huge thanks to our guest, Rose McIver. She's always an incredible delight. Thanks to Jeff Hopkins for our new Bat-tastic intro and to Lottie Guntank for the updated season two logo. Doing the real work and updating our logo to reflect our new hair. Doing the Lord's work. Doing the Lord's work. And always a special thanks to Fatty Cakes and the Puff Pastries for our incredible theme song. And thanks to you for listening and supporting. Check out our website, mastersoftheobvious.com, for new episodes, news, and merch. Our Instagram, at Masters of the Obvious. Facebook at Masters of the Obvious and Twitter at Masters of the O. Please don't forget to leave a glowing review on Apple Podcasts and to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on to get notifications for new episodes. Thank you for listening. And we love you.
You are on Larry King Live, and I am not Larry King because he is dead. I am Kirsten Bozier, and I'm here to ask you some serious, hard-hitting questions, Cynthia Rose. Are you prepared? No. Thank you for your time. (laughs) (laughs) That's the end, folks. (laughs) 